Welcome to Pageant Planets Podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another Pageant Planet podcast. This is the podcast for contestants who want to be inspired and discover how to win the crown. Today, Jesse Ledoux McMullen, our queen of coaching, and myself are covering the life of Catherine McQuaid. Catherine wears many hats or crowns in her life. She's a pageant queen, including the current Miss International Junior Miss Maine, a fashion and travel blogger, a model, and a dance teacher. A pageant competitor for 14 years, Catherine has won the titles of Miss New York Junior Teen, USA National Miss 2015, National American Miss 2016-2017, and Miss Cosmos United States 2018. Her secrets to success will be revealed in this podcast, but we'll give you a hint. It's the interview. Like her food blog, Ketchup with Catherine, let's (laughs) catch up on everything we have to learn about how Catherine has overcome the obstacles and challenges in her life to being the well-rounded pageant queen we all know and love. Catherine was born and raised in Whitestone, New York. While she grew up as a timid child, her mom always instilled in her communication skills, confidence, poise, and grace. As a young child, Catherine started opening up to her natural skills and talents through dance. Through the Landrum School of Performing Arts company dance team, she was able to dance competitively for over a decade, and it's one of Catherine's ambitions to be a Radio City Music Hall Rockette. One lesson that Catherine learned through dance was to always win and lose graciously, a humble experience for any competitor, and something we could all learn when you're playing at home board games. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've ruined friendships and definitely relationships about that one. (laughs) But that's just me. Uh, Catherine didn't spend too many years being shy as she joined her first pageant when she was just 10 years old. Now I want you to ask yourself, how many pageants is considered a lot? 10, 20, maybe 50? Oh, 50 would be a lot. But how about 100 and 50. And that's right. Catherine has competed in over 150 pageants in her career, which has helped her shape the woman she is today. 150? That is crazy. That's got to be some kind of a record. It's got to be. I wonder if our pageant planet directory can can shed some light on that too. I'd love to see it all at a glance. I know. um, I've been brainstorming a new feature that kind of will list like who has competed in the most pageants. Like kind of ranking it out that way but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting she's got to be number one she i mean to my knowledge she would be i mean i think the most um i i heard of one girl I, I talked to her a while back that she said around this number and i thought she was lying because i was like there's no way but um yeah now that i hear like two girls saying around the same number and i don't even remember what that girl how many she competed But it was in the hundred or hundreds because I'm like, what? I mean, that would be I remember thinking like that would be like 10 a year for like 20 years or something crazy. And so anyways, I mean, Catherine, that's basically I don't know how old she is now. I'm sure we might get into it. But like 150. Well, she competed for 14 years. It'd be roughly 10 a year. Well, and if you think about it, there's. I think Catherine got her start in in a lot of glitz pageantry, possibly. Maybe I'm wrong, actually. I think I might be wrong. But anyway, when you think about the glitz pageant circuit as a whole, they're having pageants every single weekend, and there's no non-compete, and there's no limit. So 
I can remember what was that? Um, there was an HBO special, probably twenty years old. I think it's called Living Dolls, and it was basically like that. The Glitz contestants were going from city to city, state to state, every single weekend. So, I mean, they could have knocked out easily 25 in a year that way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, Glitz pageants pay big money, too. Like, if oh, you yeah. win, you can be like, you can win like 10 grand, right? I yeah, mean, you, can pay, so, you can pay a salary on it, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, if you go around and you have a winning dress and a beautiful girl and, you know, they have a all the right stage presence, I mean, you could probably rack up fifty, sixteen thousand dollars $60,000 in a year. In that would be nice. That would be all right. That would be all right. But that's one of the reasons why glitz dresses go for so expensive, too. That's you true. You know, it's like yep. it, there's a lot of money around it. Yep. Pay to play. Yeah, you do. So her journey began competing in the National American Miss system. So not glitz. I was right there. Right slash wrong because I corrected myself. Anyway, <laughs> a pageant system that's widely regarded as one of the best for developing young women's confidence and self-esteem through its competition. And not to mention the annual prize package adds up to tens of thousands of dollars each year. And I mean, gosh, it's that that number is dwarfed in, in true comparison. I mean, it's over a million dollars in prizes each year. Yeah, National American Miss. I mean, because they submitted all their prize packages and what was it annually when we were reviewing it as a as a team, I think it was $1.4 million that they give away or something like that, but it was definitely over a million dollars. Yeah. So, um, but it wasn't until 2012 that Catherine won her first title, Miss New York junior teen. And she went on to compete for the national junior teen title. And although she didn't play, she still won the golden achievement and service award for her platform, along with a few optional awards. She also created her own mentoring program at St. Luke's School from the 6th to the 8th grade in Whitestone for pre-kindergarten students, among numerous other volunteer efforts, in, which in total have accumulated over 5,000 hours, 5,000 hours mm. of community service. Wow. That's tremendous, yeah. One cause that Catherine has held close to her heart and has been striving to raise awareness for ever since she started in pageants is pancreatic cancer awareness. And in t- 2005, her grandmother passed away from pancreatic cancer. And pancreatic cancer is the fourth leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the United States. And this form of cancer has no cure and no early detection. And its high mortality rate um, are caused by its rapid spread to nearby organs. So it's it's a really tragic form of cancer. So one cause that Catherine has held close to her heart and she's been striving to raise awareness for ever since she started and pa- oh crap, I messed up. <laughs> All right, we're gonna jump forward. So um, one year for Christmas, she received a pot holder making kit, and this brought back memories of her and her grandmother when they would do this activity together and cue the like aha eureka moment as Catherine's platform promoting hope pot holders for pancreatic cancer was born. And the Promoting Hope Pop Holders for Pancreatic Cancer Awareness has fundraised over $6,000 for the Lust Garden Foundation Pancreatic Cancer Research Association, and she's only $4,000 away from her bigger goal of $10,000 for the cause in memory of her grandmother. And that's, this is a coaching moment because first, platforms should come from things you're organically interested and dedicated to, and for Catherine, this was pancreatic cancer, and but they still don't need to be directly related in the forms of potholders. Like potholders have literally nothing to do with pancreatic cancer. So she found a cause that she was passionate about and an activity that made sense for her that she was able to scale onto a national level to a large scale fundraiser. So it doesn't always have to be 
a, con- a direct connection with what you're doing to raise money or raise awareness for your platform. So think about things you enjoy doing. Think about things you have access to um, more naturally that are not, not going to cost you a ton to be able to put resources back into your platform. So think outside the box. It, potholders. I, I'm, I'm thinking it's the loom where you like stretch the looms in and out of those potholders. I mean, I think every little girl had one of these kits growing up and Catherine took something that simple and tied it to her platform. So don't feel like it has to make sense perfectly at the start. It just has to like fit, feed the goal of supporting your platform. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because we see this in the, um, what is it, like the walkathons for cancer. It's like you get somebody to sponsor you for every mile you walk and you walk pretty much like all night. Um, you know, so you see things like that. You see people selling t-shirts in order to uh, raise money for their platforms. So yeah, like taking those things that one, you do naturally um, and that you enjoy doing as a hobby so how do you craft that into raising money for a platform that you're actually passionate about? So it's just connecting the two. And it's really smart. And most times people, um, I see this happen with girls that, that are entering pageant for, uh, I mean, the first time or the first few years, they try to do a platform that they feel like the judges will connect with versus a platform that they connect with. Mm, that's very true. And we actually talk about it in a different podcast, but Basically, so pancreatic cancer and cancer in general are things that touch millions of people. Um, so you want to make sure that even, even if you're doing a specific type of cancer, like Catherine's doing pancreatic cancer, it still is a very widespread disease. So she's not really pigeonholing herself too much by selecting a specific type of cancer. However, we do see contestants that select very specific illnesses that are extremely rare. So like one in every 250,000 people have XYZ illness, which again, I'm sure it's very personal to that person. But when you get to that level of rarity, you do want to kind of umbrella yourself in with a larger a larger scope of platform. That way you're not limiting yourself with how, um, how impactful you can be and all the different ways you can partner with other organizations. Yeah. An example of that could be like you have one really small niche, um, disease or crisis that you're passionate about, but rather than just hyper-focusing on that, you can cluster them together and say, I want to represent all the underrepresented small niche diseases you know, so all the underserved um, things, and then you could kind of jump in and out of some. So by clustering them together, you're able to reach more people. So I would actually disagree with that a tiny bit, Stephen. And I would just say, instead of trying to be the person for all those little ones, because if you're trying to be everything to everyone, you're nothing to no one, I think. But if your rare disease or rare cause is, say, related to, um, like, is related to, like, blood clotting blood, blood, something related, you can say, okay, blood cancers or blood health. And you could do all in that niche. So instead of like jumping around to different types of causes, find a cluster around yours. Okay. That's good. All right. So Catherine's next grand pageant endeavor was towards the USA National Miss 2015 competition. And she heard about the system from social media and felt it was time to try something new. Three words can be used to describe Catherine's preparation for the national pageant. Practice, practice, oh, and practice. Those are the three words. And <laughs> oh, so gosh, she, I was going to guess. I was going to yeah. guess donuts on the last one. <laughs> I mean, um, 
relatable. But anyway, <laughs> so she practiced her runway, her walks with her outfits on, and had her family and friends ask her interview questions constantly. She went up against 29 other women and happened to be one of the youngest. And we all know how quickly pageant week and pageant nights move. And this is exactly what Catherine was experiencing. Before she knew it, she was standing as one of the top two in her fuchsia pink fit and flare halter neck evening gown. All of a sudden, Catherine heard the name of her opponent being called and she blanked. Like, did this mean that she was first runner up? Did she just win and not know it? A wave of like confusion, shock, and eventually pure joy and enthusiasm came over her as she realized that she was the new USA National Miss 2015. I feel like that happens. So for you, right? Because they say, okay, we're going to call the first runner up and then you. And then when you, when you heard, like for you, when you heard the other contestant's name called, was it like a moment of like sadness? Or are, are you running, replaying it in your mind like, okay, call Susie Smith, call Susie Smith, call Susie Smith? Well, my, mine was different because it was called out of the top 10. So oh. it was, I was standing with five other people mm-hmm. and the next name was Miss International. So that was, that was easy to, to guess because like you just knew it was the next, but that's a great question because I do feel like pageants skip around. Some pageants say the next name we're going to call is the winner or some say the next name we're going to call is first runner up. So if you're competing in 150 pageants and you don't really know what direction they're going to go in that particular year, I get it. And I think you see it on the faces of a lot of contestants in those final moments. Yeah. And I feel like if I was the first runner up in that scenario and they called my name, I would initially be like, Oh, Oh, right. I didn't win. <laughs> you right. know, like, oh, God. Okay. Um, all right. Put on a smile. But um, all right. So Catherine had this to say. She said, it was amazing considering I've been competing since the age of 10 and winning a national title was like a dream come true. Winning is very difficult and you can't always do it on the first shot. And most girls, it takes years to win a national title. So she's been competing for 10 years and hadn't yet won a national title. And this was her first. And this was our first time trying that system too. Yeah, which, I mean, is something that you say again and again, if you're not finding success in the system that you're doing, like leverage pageant planners directory. There's literally thousands of different systems out there that can cater to your strength. Yeah, and connect yourself on social media with people that you compete with because odds are they're not going to stay in that system forever. So you'll get exposure to other systems that way. And then hopefully they're leaving reviews on the Pageant Planet directory, um, people that you know and people that you don't know. So you can go back and reference it um, for yourself to see what their thoughts and opinions were. Mm, That's great. So Catherine was just a sophomore at Marymount Manhattan College at this time and had won the presence one in the presence of Miss America 2009, Katie Stam, who was a judge that particular year. And this experience came full circle as Catherine had the opportunity to watch Miss America 2016 live in New Jersey, where Betty Cantrell Maxwell was ultimately crowned. One of the greatest skills of any title holder is their ability to juggle the duties and prioritize their time. Catherine was maintaining her dean's list status in college, working part-time, and now the events and travels of the national title holder. Even a 17-hour trip to Miami to celebrate her director, even that didn't keep her off of the the dean's list. So, you know, good job, Catherine. Well, I think if if you wait... 150 pageants to win your first national pageant, you are doing whatever it takes to be a a solid national title holder. I mean, I think if you are a judge and you're looking at someone's resume and granted like this, this doesn't come into play too much, but if I saw a contestant have that much dedication to the industry, I'd be like, this girl's not going to waste this shot. Yeah. 
And that's sometimes girls are hesitant about putting maybe previous uh, pageant experiences on there on their resume. Would you suggest that they do that, or would you suggest like keep their keep it off their actual um, pageant paperwork or resume, but maybe bring it up casually in interview? Yep, the latter is what I would suggest. So I don't suggest any contestants put any information about prior pageants, whether within that same system or otherwise, onto their resume, because there should be enough other things other than pageantry that you can talk about on that resume to provide layers, because they know you're there because you compete in pageants. They're not learning anything about you by putting more pageant experience on that resume. It's something that's going to intrigue them. But to your point, I do think it should be a talking point. Um, we had a, a VIP contestant, um, Kim Robinson. She's been with us for, for four years as she's developed into who she is today. And she just won the title of Mrs. Kentucky America. And we, she's been a runner up um, every single year. And she finally, she finally snagged that title and we're so proud of her, but we didn't put that on her resume, but when it came time to ask that question of why should you be Mrs. Kentucky, it was always a talking point for her and saying like, she's been loyal to the system, loyal to the opportunities as a local title holder. Here's all the things she's been able to do. So it comes across better if it's able to be a layer in who you are, but not all of who you are. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. And, um, Oh, Oh, I I was going to say this. I was judging a pageant. This is very early on to my industry. I think this is maybe the first or second pageant I ever judged. And one of the questions in the paperwork was, you know, why you deserve to be like this title. And the girl on her paperwork, and it was like for, let's just say the pageant was Miss Atlanta. Um, she was like, the reason why I should be Miss Cole County is, <laughs> and it was the name of her previous pageant. She didn't even like update her like paperwork. I'm like, uh, I know. And it was just, you know, and she couldn't see what we were seeing, but like, you know, I was reading through the paperwork. I'm like, okay, not, uh, did you say, well, why should you be Miss Cole County? (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I think you're up. Yeah. So as any thoroughbred pageant title holder will tell you, pageantry is a juggling act. And once you think you can't possibly juggle more, someone throws you another ball to keep in the air. Yeah. So Catherine had been modeling for designer Ashley Lorin, who's a doll, um, a bridal prom and pageant gown designer. And this led Catherine to be able to model in fashion shows and for magazines like uh Prom Cool Book 2017, and for those of you that don't know, uh, like the Cool Book is kind of, um, it's a conglomerate of uh, retailers. They all join together so they can get deeper discounts when they purchase dresses from like Giovanni or whatever, because they have more buying power, so they all cluster together. Yeah, and then they have this like their own little magazine that goes out to the retailers to show like what's hot. Um, So she did that, and then um, her modeling experience dates back to 2011 when she was on the cover of Supermodels Unlimited Role Model Edition in 2011. It's really no surprise that she was awarded the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award in 2015 for her work and service. And for those that are not familiar, um, in the U.S., there's different tiers of the Presidential Service Award, and certain number of hours qualify you to receive those different levels. There's, I think, bronze, silver, gold, and then lifetime. And Catherine, having done over 5,000 hours, definitely qualifies her for that level of award. And You actually go in to like, track it. 
I think they have like oh my a website. Gosh, yes. So I, I think I have the gold award. Um, so I'm not lifetime, but you do, you physically have to put in dates, organization, number of hours. And I think a contact person, it's been a long time since I applied, but I think a contact person for every single appearance. So you can't just say, okay, I did 20 hours for March and then that's good enough. It's truly like line by line, event by event. And what I heard is that they're actually doing away like with this, I heard this last year that they're doing away with this like website or the upkeep on it or the presidential Aww. lifetime awards. Um, I don't, I have not looked at it for myself. I was having dinner, Renata and I with a pageant director and she was one telling us this. And, but the good news is, is pageant planets creating something to fill that gap. So that'll Woo. be. Yeah, that'll be released this year so that you can track your volunteer hours and then everybody in the community, it's a way to keep them honest. And so you can only um, go back like seven days from your event. So like mm -hmm. if you volunteered today, you would have seven days to record that or you won't be able to record it anymore. So that's a way to keep people honest and you tag the organizations and all that stuff too and you put the times. And so it'll be a way for us to, again, keep honest people honest. There's some pageants out there that track how many hours girls volunteer and all that. But if you're attached to our email list or you're subscribed to Pageant Daily, you'll see when it comes out. So you can start making your volunteer hours public because some of these time, some of these things, like when girls say I volunteered 5,000 hours, it's really hard for a lot of people to wrap their mind around. And sometimes it's easy to be like, yeah, right. But if you have like, no, here's my profile, here's all the different places I volunteered and I logged all my hours, then all of a sudden it, it makes it real. Oh, for sure. I think it, it kind of goes hand in hand with contestants that say they've raised a million dollars or something. And not to say that people haven't raised a million dollars for their platform. Usually that's like they attended an event in which they were a title holder at that raised money there and they were a part of that event. So not the greatest thing to do in my opinion. <laughs> right. So, um, like maybe there should be a fundraising component on there too. But, um, yeah, so just keep in mind that everything that you do is, is true to you. You can be a part of that, but just don't mis don't misrepresent is the, the key takeaway there. Yeah. Agreed. And which brings you to a coaching moment too. Um, because we talked about interview several times with relation to Catherine and her success. So the coaching moment is like platform work. I get a question all the time. Do I need a platform in order to win this pageant? And the answer is usually no, you don't need a platform in order to win most pageants, but the more experiences you have to be active in your community or active with your platform equals more to more to talk about in your interview. So, wow, I've done these seven events and appearances. Okay. Well that could do seven things to talk about in your interview and more opportunity for interaction. So if you're at these appearances, you're probably not standing in the corner or hopefully you're not standing in the corner by yourself, just waiting for your photo op. You're interacting with people. People are coming, communicating with you. You're able to articulate who you are, what your system is, what your cause is, all of that that we talk about week to week. So that leads to a stronger interview, naturally. The more time for interpersonal conversation, the better that interview is going to be. So while it doesn't necessarily help you directly, there are infinite benefits to having a platform and doing appearances. Yeah, and when you look at people that, are, that go to fundraisers, charity events, they are the influencers of the community or the state. They're not just um, you know, people without influence pretty much just people with opportunities, leaders in business, which makes it excellent networking for you. And Jesse, you're a case in point where you've leveraged 
um, your charity work to like create job opportunities for you right after um, Mm -hmm. your title. So it's like, it's really great networking. And this is the time when you should be expanding that network because pageantry comes with an expiration date. You know, even Mm -hmm. when you win your dream crown, you're on a timer. You got it for one year, like make it count so that you can get all these contacts so that after, um, like Chesley Christ, she's now, um, she just announced yesterday that she's with, I think it's E Entertainment. She signed on. Well, I'm not saying that she wouldn't have had that opportunity had she not been Miss USA because she's a talented girl. But certainly, like Miss USA opened up the door of opportunity for her to like walk right into that job. It made it a lot mm-hmm. easier. Yeah, and Rachel Smith too. I think Rachel Smith was Miss USA maybe 2005. I might be wrong there, but she's an ET correspondent as well. And I guarantee you that there was some exposure she had as Miss USA that allowed her to eventually, whether I don't think she joined right away and now she's a regular. So just keeping those communication lines open and proving your worth uh, stands the test of time, time and time again. Yeah. And you can get those. The, the, the long story short of this is you can get those opportunities by being like having a strong platform and attending these charity events because you just never know who you're going to meet. Mm hmm. Okay, so in 2016, it was time for her to go back to pageant. To the pageant, started all National American Miss, but this time as a Miss contestant. And Catherine got to represent New York in Hollywood, California, against 36 contestants. Being a former USA National Miss title holder is a huge accomplishment. But Catherine was competing at another pageant that annually sweeps Pageant Planet's Best in Pageantry awards in numerous categories, including Best in National Pageant, Best National Director, and USA National Miss is often right up there as well. So they're very much on the same playing field. So it wasn't going to be a walk in the park for her to go from USA National Miss National Title Holder to National American Miss National Title Holder. Yeah, and maybe it was deja vu, maybe it was her destiny, but Catherine won the title of National American Miss at 20 years old, just 10 years after she first competed in the system, and this occurred over the Thanksgiving weekend, and Catherine had one more thing to be thankful for. The role of National American Miss includes traveling across the country during the summer for the pageant program summer tour. She had the opportunity to participate in the national photo shoot, take a free trip to Disneyland, and continued to promote her platform of pancreatic cancer awareness. Amongst Catherine's pageant successes, she was still excelling in her education and community service initiatives. She graduated magna cum laude from Marymount Manhattan College with a major in communications arts with a concentration in creative media. The love for the pageant stage and for competition did not fade away. Catherine's next endeavor was to be the next Miss United States. And on her first attempt as Miss Queen's United States, she placed as the first runner-up at the state level to Coco Lena Hunter. The following year, Catherine was appointed as Miss Maine United States 2018 and automatically advanced to the national stage. The pageant was held in Orlando, Florida, and Virginia's Andromeda Peters ultimately won the title. While Catherine's dreams of being Miss United States did not come true, she did win the award for having the highest interview score. Again, I'm sure that relates back to all the community service work that she does. And her next venture was to Washington, D.C. to compete at Face of the World USA competition in the hopes of representing the USA at the international pageant. The Face of the World's 
pageant provides a unique experience and opportunity for both men and women around the world. It allows for its competitors to be married, single, divorced, have kids. There's really no rhyme or reason um, to their level of contestants. So anyone is welcome. And Catherine's scores and performance for photogenic, runway, evening gown, and video introduction competitions were good enough to place her as the second runner-up. And then in 2018, it was announced that she would be assuming the inaugural title of Miss Cosmos Cosmos United States 2018. Prior to 2018, the pageant was always held outside of the USA, and it was never well known um, or like it was never well known within the US. Mm -hmm. And this is why in 2018, um, Crowned Garland LLC purchased the pageant and marks and crowned Catherine as their first title holder. The pageant now continues to occur annually in Orlando, Florida, and this is where Catherine crowned her successor, Katie Mode of South Carolina. Catherine was then appointed the title of International Junior Miss Maine and placed as the third runner-up at Nationals. And her most recent pageant success was placing in the top 20 at Miss New York USA with hashtag Team Fabulous, which is <laughs> Ashley Loren, um, wearing an Ashley Loren icy blue gown. Ashley Loren is like, she's just so good at marketing and branding. Mm-hmm. She's just like, yeah. If you've ever seen the little caricature of the Ashley Loren, like that's what Ashley looks like in, in real life. Um So if after hearing Catherine's story, you're still wondering why her name sounds so familiar, it's because she's been featured several times in our Best in Pageantry Awards. In 2019, she was featured in the top 10 Best Miss Headshot for her high glitz and glamour headshot perfected with silver earrings and her hand up in her blown out hair. And in 2020, she was ninth in our top 10 Best Evening Gowns for her sapphire blue classic ball gown at Miss Maine United States. Uh, She's only 24 years old and Catherine still has quite a few Miss Years ahead of her. Where will she compete next? Uh, follow her journey on Instagram at Catherine McQuaid to see where her pageant journey will take her. Yeah. And if you would like to be a featured contestant on our next podcast, create a contestant profile with all of your information, hidden facts, and what makes you special. Then email support at Pageant Planet with the title podcast feature so we can review your profile. We'll let you know after you submit if you are scheduled. And also a special shout out to Maria Jorlando for doing this research. And thank you for listening. And if you've received any benefit from this show or for once previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It might seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. So until next time, take care. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.